I'll take your Bible, if you will, and open it up with me this morning to Genesis 5. And we're going to start this morning a, a series that will take us through the summer. We're going to do it Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. And, and it's called Learning from the Testimonies of Men and Women in the Old Testament. Paul wrote that the life stories of men and women in the Old Testament were written for our instruction. Some of them are given to teach us uh, vital biblical truths. Others were written to come alongside of us and encourage us in our relationship with the Lord. And some of them were written as warnings of the deceitfulness and the consequences of sin. But all of them, Paul said, were written for our benefit. So we're going to start this morning in this series, and we're going to start with a man by the name of Enoch. Uh, somebody says, well, why in the world are you preaching on a male character on Mother's Day? Well, I don't know of anything more important for any mother or any father, any young person, any boy or girl who knows Jesus, any grandparent, any grandmother, any grandfather. I don't know of anything more important from any Christian and every Christian than walking with God. And if Enoch were with us today and he gave his testimony to us, there are three things that he would tell us about walking with God. I want you to read with me here in Genesis 5, just uh, four verses. Look at verse 21. Now, when Enoch had lived uh, 85 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all of the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The Bible has little to say about Enoch. He's only mentioned three times. In these four verses in Genesis 5, he's mentioned in one verse, and then it's amplified in Hebrews 11, and then he is mentioned in the next to the last little book of the Bible, the book of Jude. But while the Bible has little to say about Enoch, the little that it says, says a lot. For Enoch walked with God, he pleased God, and he was taken to heaven without seeing death. I would say to you that there are some vital lessons we need to learn from Enoch about what it means to walk with God. And we're going to look at, at three of them. If Enoch were with us today and he gave us his testimony about walking with God, the first thing that he would tell us is that walking with God starts in the heart. Because this whole picture of Enoch 
walking with God really is that his walk with the Lord was rooted in his intimacy with the Lord. Now, there are few people in the Bible that says that they walked with God in the way that Enoch walked with God. And I want you to know that this walk just didn't happen accidentally or it just wasn't something that occurred into his life. That intimacy with God was absolutely intentional and the pursuit of his heart. I would say that for you and I to walk with God, there are three things that are absolutely essential. It starts with recognizing the surpassing value of knowing God. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. But he who boasts, let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me that I am the Lord. Now, what he's simply saying is that the most important pursuit in all of life is not making more money, it's not gaining greater knowledge, it's not having power or strength, it is knowing God. It's not knowing about God, it is the knowledge of God. I know a lot of people, but I want you to know I know my wife. We've shared life together. We have walked together. I know the expressions on her face. I know when to sit down and shut up. <laughs> I know when to draw near because she says, I just need to be on your shoulder. I know her. <laughs> And Jeremiah says, here's your ambition in life. Here's your pursuit. Growing in knowing him. Now that kind of knowledge grows out of a desire for the presence of God in your life. Let me just give you three verses. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, David wrote, As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my heart for you, O God. I thirst for you in a dry and parched land. The picture that, that David gives here is of a deer, and he is being pursued by a predator. A, 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 a wolf, and, and so he's running for his life, and he's running as fast as he can, and he runs until the muscles in his body began to ache, and his 
tongue is hanging out in exhaustion. And more than anything else, that deer wants the refreshment and the renewing of a cool drink from a, a running brook. And, and David said, Lord, just like that deer wants water more than anything else, Lord, I want you. Jeremiah 29, 13. The Lord is speaking. He says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. One of the verses I think over the years that has impacted me more than any other is Philippians 3.10. For Paul, as a part of his testimony, says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. And you see that Paul is writing this, this letter to the Philippians in prison in Rome, and, and he has been a believer for now over 30 years, he had met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then the Holy Spirit took him out into the, the Arabian desert. And Paul said, it pleased him to reveal Jesus to me. He had served Jesus as a pioneer missionary, as a church planner, as a pastor, as a writer of inspired scripture, and I say that if anybody knew Paul or, or knew Jesus, Paul knew him. But here he is as he writes to the Philippians, and he says, in essence, when I wake up in the morning, the passion, the driving ambition of my life is that I might know Jesus more and better than I've ever known him before. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to see that the knowledge of God is more valuable than anything else, and you're going to pursue it. But the third truth here about the heart is that walking with God means meeting with God daily. Amos 3.3 says, How can two walk together unless they agree to meet? I want you to know you'll never have a vibrant, joy-filled, life-transforming walk with God. <laughs> the Lord. You'll never have that, that, that witness of your life of Jesus living in and through you and your life becoming more Christ-like if you don't have a regular time of meeting with the Lord in His Word and in prayer. I'm not just reading the Bible to check off 
a duty or praying to check off a duty. I'm talking about a hunger for God where you open up your word and you say, Lord, would you speak to my heart and my life? Would you give me wisdom in the knowledge of you? Would you give me direction in your purpose for my life? Would you speak to my heart? And then as, as you speak to my heart, I'm going to speak back to you in prayer. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to, to listen to you in your direction in my life and I'm going to lay every care before you. I'm going to intercede for those around me. I want to just meet with you. Walking with God starts in a heart that seeks Him. And that brings us to the big question. Is there anything in your heart Anything that you delight in more than you delight in Jesus. Any distraction that keeps you from seeking the Lord with all of your heart. Any sin that you hang on to that hinders you from walking with God. Enoch walked with God. Mothers and dads, the greatest legacy that you give your children is to let them see you walking before God. Grandparents, the greatest gift you're going to give your grandchildren is to walk humbly with your God. So Enoch would tell us that, uh, that uh, walking with God involves, uh, starts in the heart. The second thing that Enoch would tell us is that walking with God involves daily choices. Let me just give you the concern of those daily church choices for Enoch in his walk with God. In, in Hebrews 11, you, you have one verse about Enoch, verse 6, verse 5, and then it is, it is amplified in verse 6. It says, in verse 5, it says that uh, uh, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now listen, but before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. That means that every day, every decision, the big question for Enoch was, will this pleasure the heart of God? One of the most astonishing thoughts in all of the world to me is that you and I have the capacity to grieve the heart of God. Paul would write in the Thessalonians and say, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. You and I can bring grief to the heart of God in how we live our weekend. Bring pleasure to the heart of God. And that which concerned Enoch in walking with God in those daily decisions that all of us make is will this pleasure 
the Lord. And then and it goes on and it says in verse, verse 6, he says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That was his concern. The circumstances of his walk with God and the choices that he made were in the days before the flood. The wicked, wicked days. From Adam and Eve's fall, the human race had been involved in a downward spiral. They tell us that man's involved in evolution, that he started at the bottom and grows up, 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 and gets better. Well, the Bible says just the opposite. Man stopped, started at the top, made in the image of God. And he sinned, and after sin he was involved in devolution, down, down, down. And Enoch is the seventh generation from Adam. And he's just seven generations before Noah. Halfway between that time that the earth is so wicked that God has to destroy it. It is an environment in which he lives. That people were forsaking and forgetting the Lord and getting involved in all kinds of sin. Can I just give it to you here in, in Genesis 5? Genesis 5 is a genealogy. From, from Adam to, to Noah. And the genealogies in the Bible are given to us for a very important war, uh, reason. One is to show us that, that people are important to the Lord and that heritage, lineage, what we leave behind legacy is important. But the people here in Genesis 5 don't have a lot of legacy because you know what is said about them over and over Starting in, in, in verse uh, 5, it says, And Seth had lived a hundred and five years, and he fathered Enosh. And, and Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enosh had lived 90 years, and he fathered Kenan, and Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters and thus for all of the days of Enosh were 910 years and he died and it just keeps going just like that. They lived, they had children, and they died. And nothing else is said about them. Our pastor was preaching on uh, prayers in the Old Testament, and he, he chose uh, Enoch as, as an example of prayer, and, and he went through this whole chapter, and, and they, they, they lived and had children and died. He told the true story about the lady who, who uh, had, had, had been on her lost husband to come to church, and come to church, and he never would. And finally, one day, he said he'd go, and he went to church that Sunday night, and the preacher got up, and he preached on Genesis 5, on the genealogy. And he just kept going through. They lived, they had children, and they died. They lived, they had children, and died. Just called all of the names, went through them, and, 
she was so upset. She said, man, here I finally got my husband to come to church. And, and the pastor preaches on genealogies? And, and she went to bed upset that night. In the middle of the night, her she, husband woke her up, and he was sitting up in bed shaking. And she said, what's wrong? And she, he said, I've lived, and I've had children, and I'm not ready to die. Now, that's the world in which Enoch grew up. He made those choices. It wasn't like he just joined everybody else in walking with God. He walked with God when no one else was walking with God. That led to the choices that he had to make every day. There were personal choices. Those choices to meet with God, to identify in his commitment to the Lord God. This is who I am. I have bowed my knee. I have said you are Lord. I have said I will be loyal to you and I will walk with you all of the days of my life. That led to public choices. It just wasn't what he did in secret in his quiet time. He walked with God in a dark and a hostile world. Wasn't afraid of being laughed at. Wasn't being afraid of being intimidated by anyone. He just walked with God. And then there's the consistency of his daily choices to walk with God. Did you notice how it says that after he had fathered Methuselah, he lived 300 years? And after he had fathered Methuselah, he walked with God? 300 years of waking up every day and saying I want to please God I want to know God I want my life to count for his glory <coughs> and so if Enoch were to come before us and to give his testimony he'd start with our heart and then he'd point to the daily choices of our lives. And then the last thing that Enoch would tell us about walking with God is that he would tell us that, uh, that uh, walking with God means living now with eternity in view. The last time Enoch is mentioned in the Bible is in the next to the last chapter of the Bible, the book of Jude. And it says a little about him, but it says a lot. Look at verse 14. It says, It was about these that Enoch, the seventh from 
Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict the ungodly of their deeds and ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, here, here, is, here is Enoch. Seventh from Adam. And he prophesies the second coming of the Lord Jesus. He prophesied that Jesus didn't prophesy his first coming, he just prophesied his second coming. This morning in my quiet time, I was reading Revelation 22, and Jesus says toward the end of it three times, Behold, I am coming quickly. And so here is Enoch, and he doesn't understand everything. He just knows that God has spoken to him through the word, and he now proclaims that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming again. He emphasizes accountability. He talks about those that reject him, refuse him, ignore him, leave him out, that he's going to execute judgment and convict the ungodly uh, of their deeds. He says, you're going to live ready or you'll stand before him lost. And then Enoch pictures the rapture for us. That day when Jesus comes and There'll be a great resurrection day. All the dead in Christ will be raised, and believers who are alive will be snatched away. Enoch pictured that. He's only one or two men who went to heaven without seeing death. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God I like the little girl who was telling the story of Enoch to her mother and said, one day, you know, Enoch and God used to take long walks together. And one day they had taken one of those long walks and after the end of it, God said to Enoch, Enoch, we're closer to my home than we are to your home. Why don't you just walk on home with me today? <laughs> now listen to me. We live in a world where most people live like this life is all there is. But walking with God is grounded in the fact that we are going to live eternally with him in Jesus. Now, if you don't know him, you won't be there. You'll be under those judged the condemnation, hell instead of heaven. Eternal separation from God instead of the presence of God. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you've never trusted Jesus, to come to him today. 
God created every one of us that we might know him and love him and serve him. And you'll never know life, real joy, without knowing God's purpose for your life. And I want you to know that you can do that today by trusting Jesus. And if you're a believer and you're not delighting in Jesus, you're not enjoying walking in his presence, that's not the priority of your life. What's heaven going to be like for you? Heaven's going to be all about his presence. Enjoying him for all of eternity. And I hope the prayer of your heart is that the legacy that you'll leave your children and your grandchildren, what they see as being reality in your life, is that you walk with God.